0: Hey, before this episode starts, I just want to thank Jordan for coming on. Uh, He had some takes and opinions I don't think have ever really been discussed on the show yet. So it was really fun for me to have somebody bounce opinions off of and actually have this discussion with. Uh, That being said, uh, the first half of this episode, we do touch on what some might consider controversial. uh, And as long as it's not motivated by anger, I think I can speak on mine and Jordan's behalf that we do encourage the conversation. And if you have an opinion on whatever we discussed, I do encourage you to leave uh, your take in the comments. Or you can DM me on Instagram at PastimeThinker or Jordan at Comedy. Uh, as always, shout out to our patron, Kevin. And if you want to become a patron as well, you can go to patreon.com slash pastime. And as always, make sure to like and share and show the show, show the show. Yeah, show the show to anyone you think might enjoy it. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Pastime Thinker podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Piquette, and today my guest is Jordan Power. How you doing, man? Good. How are you, man? Good, good. So right off the bat, one thing I wanted to, to ask, poke fun at a little bit is yeah, you're an author. Yes, I am. Name of the book is Famous Anus. <laughs> Can you believe that no one else thought of that before? <laughs> I mean, it rhymes. But uh, the the first question that came to mind, like mm-hmm. just, just kind of perusing the book, whose anus is it about?
1: Uh, mine. Okay. it's a memoir
0: okay it's a memoir
1: i mean i wouldn't say the whole book's about my anus so maybe <laughs> the anus is like the protagonist or something it's the but
0: protagonist. i
1: mean it's like about me being slutty in my 20s and then yeah i mean i was kind of just uh i actually hadn't i had an original book deal that i turned down from a publisher oh. actually self-published my book instead for a lot of reasons not only the royalty payouts are are superior but also the fact that um creatively they just completely constrain you
0: i was about to say what was the pro con chart looking like
1: yeah they they completely constrain you uh your royalty payout is a dollar 25 into perpetuity for the rest of your life versus if you self-publish seven dollars uh that's a lion's share like yeah but well they 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 give you an advance so the idea is that Uh most authors actually don't even earn back their advance nine out of ten books don't make money so you get the Jordan Peterson's and like the books that sell 2 million copies that kind of support the whole thing. But I was also ascending in notoriety. And so I was like, yeah, two years from now, I can get a bigger advance. And also like, dude, the way the way that they wanted to constrain me was so comical. It wouldn't have even been a funny book.
0: Really? Like they actually had like, you can't say this.
1: You can't say this. You, you can't you can't put that there. They were like, I, I, they were like, any ideas for the cover? And I said, and I said, I want to call it famous anus. And I said, I want the cover to be an anus coming out of a tux doing the Angelina Jolie leg, like she's famous for, Yeah. Um, and just, you know, kind of comical vibe. I mean, it's a ridiculous book. And they were like, yeah, we could never sell a book called that. And they said to me oh, we could never get a book like that on, in bookstores. And then I had looked it up about a week before. And I now learned that over 85% of all books are purchased online ebook or paperback through amazon so bookstores is i mean these people are dinosaurs well and that I, too and I'm, like i
0: find that's a little bit of a stretch because like you can buy cards against humanity at almost any bookstore and, right like some of the shit in that game is pretty off color
1: yeah but dude i also just when you're a gay person you always just feel like an aberrant and then there's always you immediately get your backup right and you think like is there undertones of homophobia here yeah. Um, even when there isn't, right? And so I don't know, but I just, I kind of have always been an entrepreneur and made my own way, and I know this business. That's when I went down the self publishing route, and I don't care about the ego play. It's far superior in every way.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like, I know a few people who have self published and didn't really work out in their favor. And I, I actually, I know a few people who have, and it did. Right. Um, uh,
1: like well, you gotta have base to start with right and I, yeah. I already had a following at that point so i was like i don't really need you guys
0: yeah because like i wonder if like there, there must be people who make that play like i'm gonna write a book self-publish and this is gonna be how i grow my audience
1: but that that that's probably not feasible <laughs> i think you've got to do the reverse of that right you got to go in i mean they originally approached me because i had a hit podcast called shame on you and they were at one of the major publishers and you know, it was that thing was doing 20,000 downloads a week and uh, actually probably tw- 25. But anyway, not to break, but <laughs> but I'll break. And uh, and so, yeah, they kind of came to me and then they actually it's very interesting. They these people always want to do what works. Right. So they actually wanted me to write a book called How I Conquered My Gay Shame. And you can too, like a Oprah-esque, ridiculous mm-hmm. book. And I'm a filthy comedian. So for me, I just started laughing.
0: But like they just wanted to change the title like none of the actual contents of the book
1: changed and they wanted to name it that no they wanted an entirely different book delivered to them oh they
0: wanted this I got bullied in high school but I got over it now I'm proud and
1: gay like come up story right it's inspirational something they can package and i'm sure listen books like that do so well i mean people buy garbage all the time <laughs> i mean i'll call it gar- people watch the mass singer for fuck's sake. so like uh, i hope i, I, I have it. not. i haven't jumped on that ship yet i keep hearing
0: about it it's like it's spiraling around me like every day like another person in my life is like have you seen the mass singer
1: dude i saw on cnn the other day uh cnn the, the most trusted name in news is what they call themselves. <laughs> they had a, a front page of their website i kid you not who is the identity of broccoli which is the character that like the D list celebrity is dancing inside, like the costume. Yeah. And I almost put a gun in my mouth because I was like, This is CNN. Well is CNN now.
0: like you no, know, I'll fuck like CNN's in a very difficult position right now, I think. Well, not diff a difficult position they put themselves in because, you know, Trump isn't around anymore to right. have twenty four seven coverage on and an airplane hasn't crashed recently. So they're kinda like whatever put put whatever up there they'll read it
1: but don't you think i think largely people are with podcast reddit things like that i think a lot of people are waking up to how partisan these media institutions are like not just oh, cnn yeah. like fox news so it's like it's it becomes a propaganda outlet like cnn's never been against a war they're uh, shilling for big pharma military industrial complex Uh, and i think people realize that either they're getting one narrative or they're being lied to or also it's just become theater i mean it's like every overly dramatic thing i just find it not real and so fabricated
0: i mean yeah like that's definitely something that probably like a year maybe a year and a half into trump's presidency like i started realizing that like kind of before when because like i'll admit because you know, when Trump first started, I was a little empathetic. I'm like, well, let's see what he's going to do first. <laughs> like, you know, we don't know. Like, he won. So, like, let's see where this goes. The game and then, show
1: host. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then, yeah. And then after a while, I was like, wow, CNN is just uh, connecting some high level dots here, I think. Either that or, like, they just don't exist.
1: Well, you know what it is. I mean, I, I'm not one of those people, though, that will say that everything Trump did bad was bad or every idea that Trump had was bad. I think I, then you'd have to be really in the echo chamber at that point to just think it. I mean, he's an odious human being who has racial. Oh. Uh, he, it's just those things are obvious about him. But, I mean, they he, he wasn't a warmonger like Obama. And, I mean, that's something that people won't forget. It's 38 days into Biden's presidency, and he's already bombing and Syria. The, yeah,
0: and there's bombs coming down.
1: Yeah, and, and I looked, and he was filling his cabinet with Raytheon board members, which is the biggest of the military-industrial complex, and I knew he was filling up those people. And I went, oh, this will be business as usual. And 38 days in, uh, dropping bombs without congressional approval. Yeah, so, that
0: – I mean, I'll admit I kind of – like as soon as like Biden got into presidency, I kind of fell asleep on it. Like those bombs is like the first thing I've heard of Biden doing anything. So I'm like, oh, okay. Um, uh, maybe I should uh, – Pay attention a little bit more. I thought we were okay.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? The thing, the biggest thing I try to do with my podcast, not a uh, shame on you. I have a podcast now called Unmentionable. And, mm-hmm. you know, we do mostly comedy, but I do a lot of politics. And I, I try to take people through, through the three stages of being a politically conscious person. So I think uh when you're in the beginning of a stages you're usually young you say okay i'm a liberal my parents are a liberal yeah you take in a little bit of information whatever then you get to the second stage where you uh, are clearly defined in your tribalism and you really only take in information that confirms your beliefs and your narratives and you live in the echo chamber and you listen to rachel maddow because she doesn't challenge you and she makes <laughs> you feel special but then she lies to you about russiagate and all that bullshit for a year that went nowhere and then you get to this third stage that I try to get to with my audience uh, where I realize that we actually have so much more in common with our neighbors. And you have to really look at politics as a top-down approach. In yeah. They're all scum at the top, and it's elite versus underclass. And once you get to that point, it's so much of it makes more sense than trying to do this left and right nonsense all exactly.
0: the time. Exactly, because like, you're up against the elite on both sides of the aisle. They're, they're not, I wouldn't say the enemy, but they are the opposition in a lot of ways. Um, uh, my political journey was a little bit different than that. It was basically I was on one side of the pendulum. I took a hard swing to the other side of the pendulum, and then I, like, fell somewhere in the middle where I am now.
1: Um, so, wait, I, hold on. Did you swing left to right or right to left?
0: I swung left to right. Mm, very okay. hard for, uh, like, the better part of a year. Was and it because
1: you were disillusioned with the left?
0: A little bit. Yeah. Like this, I would like, uh, just to name a few people, like I suddenly discovered, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, Ben Shapiro, Steven Crowder, Jordan Peterson, like all at once. And I was yeah. like, okay, these guys kind of mix. And then like, after like making them my identity for a few months, I was like, I eventually started seeing, you know, other takes on the same opinions and I started like kind of backing away from them. Like, Oh shit, I shouldn't have, uh, I, I probably shouldn't have talked about these guys as much as I did. Um, Yeah, but
1: they're not, listen, they're not always wrong. This idea that like, oh, I mean, Jordan Jordan Peterson, whether you're, if if you don't agree with him or not, he's the most famous psychologist in the world, arguably. I mean, so it's like these people who are always pretend. I mean, I don't know why everyone needs to say if they're left or right. I mean, you can take all these tests and stuff like that, but you know, someone asked me this stuff. I'm like, I am hard left, I think, on drugs. I think all drugs should be legal. I think sex work should be decriminalized. I'm hard left on the environment, Mm -hmm. but I also could own a gun. And it's like people can't understand how you can be different things. I'm like, no, you're just the sum of your life experiences and the information you took in. And that's where you'll sit. Um, But everyone needs to play that tribalism game all the time and be like, I'm on the right team. I've got the right information. You're an idiot. I'm smart. And it's it's so arrogant. Well, and another
0: issue with that I find is like, you know, we're as like citizens, like we're kind of forced into that tribalism because the only way you can make any real change is. By identifying with one of those groups and then using that group to push an agenda that hopefully you agree to like 80% with.
1: Right. That will all, in the agenda, will always go back to the center, meaning Biden's a corporatist centrist. I don't know why the far left ever thought they were going to get anything they <laughs> want. Like it just, it, to me, it's comical. I mean, I just, but you're right. I mean, I, it is how you get things done. But nowadays, it's how people earn it. People without an identity get an identity.
0: Oh, it's, yeah.
1: It's, it's harsh to say, but it's people will become all about their politics when they're really not that interesting or well informed.
0: And like that that was definitely a rabbit hole I fell under. Like uh, I, I, I love just the concept of arguing. I love arguing. Like it, it's it's a bad habit of mine, but I just love playful argument. Like I'll debate almost anything with anyone just for the sake of it. So when I was like super far in the left side, with a lot of agreeable people, we all had the same opinion. And then I suddenly I discovered all these ideas. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna push these ideas, and then, you know, see what happens. And then that's kind of how I found the middle ground, was right. by taking com- complete opposite take, and then have people kind of talk me down from it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know what, man? I think also that it sounds like you were you are malleable in a way, right? So that's a sign of someone who's who's not a pseudo-intellectual. Like, you're, you're a malleable person. You can change with time, you're willing to learn, but a lot of people just get in the chamber and they shut the door and they will never look out the door. And also, I honestly think when you get hardcore in the tribalism, like where we're at now, with your algorithm serving you what you want to believe, I do think you get to the point where you don't see the humanity in people, meaning, if you're an American, 74 million people voting for Trump, they're not all monsters. They're not no. all racist. And you you immediately say that about people and you don't look at your neighbor as a person.
0: And like I find that like I'm just going to like address, I guess, an elephant. Like, it's interesting that you say that, you know, as a gay man, mm-hmm. because like, you know, there's a lot of people that I'm friends with who would just blanket statement. If you support Trump to any capacity, like you're not like uh, an ally. And that that's something that I had to like, you know, like, not my world. I don't have an opinion on it. I'll just take your word for it. Like, okay, if this is how you feel. And like, it's interesting to see to hear you kind of not like fully, but like kind of debunk it a little bit.
1: Well, I think a lot of people don't – a lot of people, it's a very reductive approach to politics, right? So a lot of people look at Trump, and they say that he has non-negotiables. So he says things or he believes things that they could never possibly be on board with. One of the things is that Trump is a racist. I think Trump is a racist. Personally, I think – definitely, I think there's parts of that that are undeniable. But the the talking points on the left has always been it's up to minorities – to decide if something's racist, meaning like I have friends that are straight guys and they make gay jokes about me dying of AIDS and I think they're funny and I don't get offended and I don't consider that homophobia. But what's interesting is why the left really doesn't get Trump is because he gained with every single minority group in the past in the last uh, election, 10 points with LGBT. And so if he is this racist person that every single person claims, it's usually white people on the coast. Then why does he resonate with and increase with all those minorities if it's their choice? What is racist?
0: Yeah, except instead of just going with, you know, this is the definition of racism. Is this what it is? Instead of, well, like, you know, what do you think? What do you think?
1: Exactly. And it's like, why is, I'm a white person? I don't know if it's really my, uh, I don't think I should step in and tell a black person, oh, no, that is racist. I know you don't realize that as a black person, that's racist to black people. It's like, it's yeah. kind of their like, place to determine.
0: Like, I always get uncomfortable when it comes to representations of communities I'm not a part of, I'm very afraid of white knighting, but I'm still like really interested in like the knowledge and information. So like I I be very, when it comes to things like that, like I try to be as inquisitive as possible without like actually inserting my opinion, just because I I feel like, I don't know. I just get like this, like, "Eh, not my business, not my community. Like, like well, and
1: there's, there's a humility in being deferential is really what you're saying. I mean, because it's like, you know, You're turning to the person who is the minority and saying, how do you feel about that? Do you feel that's racist? Is that racist to you? You're listening to them instead of being the white person being like, oh, he's racist for sure. Like, sit
0: down. I'll take care of you. Don't worry.
1: Yes, it is very condescending. I remember I saw Chelsea Handler was, you know, she's like an activist now, which is hilarious. Uh, And she was uh, tweeting at 50 Cent because he was going to vote for Trump. And she actually said... um, you know, you're a black person, you can't you can't believe you can't vote for Trump. And it's like to me that was like shit, that's some racist shit right there.
0: And like a lot of it has to be, you know, white knighting. Like, I feel like people would do that, you know, for the herd mentality of, you know, the black community on the left. Because they see fifty cent as a minority within their group. So she would rather side with the majority of them than the minority of colored people voting for Trump. Right. Because I think, at least in her eyes, that's a net win.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's also people don't understand what Trump represents to the people that voted for him. Besides the white supremacists, besides the people that were always going to vote for Yeah, like
0: they're they're like again, like you have to agree to if you agree to one, you agree to both. Like, yeah, there's people who voted for Trump for, you know, nuanced reasons that they that they stood for. Then there are people that just saw him as a racist and went like, yeah, I want him. And people who saw him as a homophobe went, yeah, I want him because I'm also that.
1: But I think what he also represents to the people that didn't see him for that reason, he, he, he's a con man. Don't get me wrong, oh, yeah. but he represented anti-establishment. And I think it's really indicative of how disillusioned everyone is with politics and, and leaders right now, or I just think in the future too, is that he came in as presenting as a change maker, Mm-hmm. Uh, to people and they said yeah he's gross yeah he grabs women by the pussy blah, blah 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 stuff but to me he represents a wrecking ball in the system and i'm gonna roll the dice and see what this guy will do because hillary clinton is you know stale and yeah. uh representative of rot
0: like i remember my my overall opinion going into that election was it's a lose-lose like that's i wasn't entirely invested because i'm like it's i always just saw it as a lose-lose like, yeah, there's probably gonna be a little bit less controversy with her, but and there's probably gonna be a lot more with him, but like in the end, like bad shit's probably gonna happen.
1: Yeah. Well, because the elites are gonna do what they're gonna do. And I always say yeah. that to people, and they and they hate when I say that because it's a loss of control. But I pretty much say what you're witnessing right now is pretty much theater in front oh, of Oh yeah. But people love it. They dance in the streets because they and you know what? I don't want to take away too much of people's hope in a way, because, of course, they want a better life and they want to believe that these people are going to help them. But I think so much of what you need to change in your life usually comes from you um, and that it's a sick, sick world. And I think there are going to be people that are just going to continue to raid countries and bomb them and pillage them. And, you know, that's just that's the American way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's why they don't have uh, free health care. They got a they got to bomb shit. Exactly. Oh.
1: I mean, Raytheon is a publicly traded company. So every time that we bomb these places, I say we, but they bomb these places yeah. and stockholders or shareholders make money. I mean, it's a sick system.
0: Damn, no one's talking about that on Wall Street Bets.
1: No, they are. <laughs> I'm sure if they, it was a good return, they would. I mean, it's a market, right? Oh, but yeah. I mean, also the, the prison system percentage of the prison system, I think it's 15 percent of the American prison system is for profit. So you're talking about publicly traded because oh, yeah,
0: it's uh, isn't it privatized like the,
1: the prison system, a percentage, only 15 percent. OK, think. but still, that means you have an incentive to throw young black men in jail. So that's how they came up with mass incarceration because oh, they yeah. turned it into a business.
0: No, it, it definitely helped with motive. Like you shouldn't be there shouldn't be like a motivation behind incarceration like it's supposed to be a punishment if you do something wrong it's supposed to be you know a form of rehabilitation if you need help but like the fact that there's like an actual financial motivation behind getting people in these prisons i think is a huge flaw
1: yeah i know but i mean that's america everything's a business they will make every little thing they will colonize i mean it's a country based on uh founded on genocide and slavery oh i mean that's how they got there pretty much most of the western world
0: is yes
1: <laughs> but i mean it's 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 a country that just i mean they just they just do what they want anything to make money i mean the iraq war was about oil everyone knows that and okay. then and my friends that criticize and say george bush is a war criminal which he is i also say aren't we all complicit we all consume oil
0: yeah i mean people will boycott everything that represents what they dislike but you still <laughs> you still drive your car
1: like yeah yeah. Wow, we are red-pilled, eh? We really red-pilled your audience. Yeah, Jesus
0: Christ, 20 <laughs> minutes in.
1: Let's talk about something uh, beautiful.
0: Oh, GameStop, man. It just keeps going up.
1: So, I'm in... Uh, I was in GameStop. I got in, got out. I wasn't doing the whole diamond hand stuff. Oh, uh, your
0: paper hand.
1: I you. Pa- you sorry, yeah. Pa- I paper-handed. But, I mean, also, it's like... Also, who wants to just sit around and be the bag holder?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Like, when it was... Like it dropped down to like forty dollars, and that was scary
1: that was yeah. that was frightening. I mean it's back up now, yeah I have you know what I have like my main investment stuff with my investment advisor, and then I've got a little little bit of cash that I play with for this stuff, but you know what man i the reason I don't do like day trading or get to invest is just it's so time consuming it is it you really is. get it. Like,
0: I think like, like all, well, actually, please actually joking implied because I don't want anyone to take this seriously because I'm not ready to admit it, but I'm uh, like, it's, it's gambling. It's,
1: it's all gambling. Oh, it,
0: it feels like a gambling addiction sometimes.
1: Of course it is. It's the same dopamine receptor. I mean, it's the same, it's the same receptor you're eroding with your phone, dude. I didn't use, I didn't have Instagram for three years. My life was so much better. I can't even tell you. I don't have Facebook anymore. I'm trying to get rid of my Twitter. I got rid of WhatsApp just because I don't want Zuck looking at my data anymore than I <laughs> need to. And I got Brave Browser. I use DuckDuckGo. Like, I'm unplugging slowly, and life is getting a lot better.
0: I've never had a Twitter account. I'm My Facebook at this point is just memes. Like, I just scroll it to find and share memes. and
1: I'm. Or so- your mom's friends with QAnon. That's what mine <laughs> It just became boomers and QAnon, the whole thing.
0: Well, that's an interesting thing, like, specifically about my Facebook feed. Because of the weird um, uh, transition I made with my political views, I have very, very strong activists on both sides of the aisle on my Facebook feed, and sometimes they discover that I'm their friend in common,
1: and it's a conversation, like like Fred why uh, like why so invest today eh? I I've never been one of those people that really I mean I was like kind of dating this republican guy I mean he's ridiculous but dude I didn't take any of that seriously because I see the political system as more top down I mean, abortion's not – they're not going to overturn that. I mean, I think gay rights is pretty good. But, I mean, the bigger problems is the rot of the system. The system itself is completely designed to – I mean, capitalism in the world we live in is a giant Ponzi scheme. We just – especially with the environment. We just borrow things and kick the can down the road. So it's like electric cars are going to save us. Well, no, there's a finite supply of minerals and uh, lithium in the world. (laughs) So, I mean – again not to red pill down your audience but it's like these are the things where i just kind of say i'm like it's all just a system that like is so delicate and that's why you saw a virus just completely collapsed it
0: yeah and like i mean you're you're not the first person i've heard say this and like in terms of like a resolution for it i can't even begin to fathom what it would be but like all i know is that the time and effort it'll take to figure out a better system that that's going to be difficult and then the transition from our current system to that system is going to be absolute chaos.
1: Well, and also CO2 and methane lag. That's actually <laughs> the main thing that doesn't get talked. By the way, if you don't want me to red pill you, I just cut me off because <laughs> oh, I will go. It's I fine. just find, I I find this stuff fascinating. I don't really get too emotionally invested in it, but um, yeah, the whole the the key that we need to cl- solve climate change. It's very simple. It's just to decollapse. We cannot continue. I mean, our entire planet is uh, basically infinite growth with finite resources. So we all know that there's there's not an infinite supply of oil in the ground, but the entire world runs on oil. So we knew at some point that would fail. Oh, yeah. The only way to drop uh, and use you need to start to collapse society. So consumption goes down. But if you do that and you stop making energy, then you get economic collapse. And then you also have to turn to people and say you can't fly anymore. I mean so.
0: that I mean you you didn't quite say it but like that reminds me of a huge like qAnon like theory hole that I fell through. Okay, what's the what's the theory? In terms of like so I'll, there's people out there. I'll say like <laughs> there's people out there.
1: That's a good way of putting it. Yes. Who,
0: who believe that what you just said is completely correct and that the liberal agenda at the moment is that the solution for that is population control. And okay. that population control is the one and only motivation that why liberals are pro-gay marriage, uh, pro-trans people, pro-abortion, um, uh, right. because they think that the liberals see that as a form of population control. And that is their only motivation, and that's why they're so against the liberal agenda, because they're not going to treat us like animals and control the population and blah 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 and it, it was wow. it was a very interesting read i did not this, mean <laughs> i may have spent about... two hours reading into it
1: yeah well this is the thing i like uh, i can be conspiratorial at times because this is the, what i realized from digging for so often was that like there's this whole thing now that like conspiracy theorists um you know hear it all over the mainstream media and listen the vast majority of conspiracy theories are stupid q anon pizza gate it's stupid stupid yeah. stuff but hidden in that is a lot of things that used to be considered conspiracy theories that are now factually indisputable, things like the MK Ultra program, things like the CIA selling drugs, stuff Je- Epstein was once considered a conspiracy theory that Alex Jones broke. So there were things that back then were crazy and could never be true and then now they're coming out and they're like things you can just read a book about or see them in the New York Times.
0: Yeah, but th- that because of that people use that as a motivation to just literally throw anything at the wall to wait for something to stick. Correct. And I think it's kind of started this thing that I don't quite agree with like I, you know, conspiracy theorists. I, you know, I think it's completely healthy you should question things, but conspiracy believers I think are dangerous people.
1: Sure, but w- at what point does it become – you become a believer? I mean because it's like if you didn't believe that the CIA could drug civilians with acid, you would be a crazy conspiracy theory person, and then the MKUltra program is indisputable at this point. So then it's like when are you, when are you a believer?
0: I think time dictates that because – like right. we'll use MKUltra for an example. I don't believe in the theory of MKUltra. I know it was fact. There's, there's no belief there. I Correct. know that that was real. Because it's come out, you know, people have revealed it, right? It was Mm -hmm. from the theorizing that made it so that, you know, it came out and that people, you know, realized it was a thing. But you don't just believe
1: things that essentially, at least at that point, like aren't real. You know what I mean? Or And then are so mind boggling Like if someone told you that there was an island where some of the world's richest and most powerful people went and fucked children, you'd say, no, there isn't. And then it was true. So yeah. you see How people's minds get melted, and then they fall into QAnon because if you just start there, then wow, you can really go. Oh yeah. <laughs> Shout, out <to> <laughs> <QAnon>. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to QAnon. Yeah. You know what, man? There is lots of money in 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 that stuff. I mean, look at Alex Jones. Like, there's a lot of money. I bet you, if you did a QAnon podcast, you'd be rolling in it.
0: Oh, uh, like I only know Alex Jones for like his meme worth. Like, I, I pro- I'm probably familiar with like every Alex Jones meme. I, yeah. I don't think I've ever actually, like, sat down and, like, listened to the guy talk, except for, like, maybe the once or tw- twice he was on the Joe Rogan podcast.
1: Well, this is the thing about Alex Jones. He's he's nuts, but he's also, right, a scary amount of time. And he was the person that was talking about Epstein before anyone, and then it became this thing that the world now knows. Mm-hmm. So, this, I mean, he fucked up with Sandy Hook. I, I think, you know, that's the main thing people – When he faked this Andy Hook thing, and there's a couple other ones, but it's scary how many other things he's been right about. So that's why I think Rogan kind of has him on his show and they roll the dice and they kind of stay there with Jamie and fact checking him.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: He is onto things. And you know what? Listen, it's been well documented the CIA will muddy the waters. So they will promote a lot of garbage so that people will say, oh, my God, conspiracy theories, you're crazy, blah, blah, blah. They use that as a tactic. It's been documented. So there is a question, could they be behind something like QAnon? Um, if you look at the the Operation Mockingbird was the program they ran, ran where they basically tried to infiltrate the media. Mm-hmm. Um, I think R- Rachel Maddow is basically CIA propaganda at this point. I mean, that Russiagate story was such nonsense. Even people on the far left were like, no, Trump's not a Russian asset. Like... <laughs> Come on. And that was the basis for their impeachment. And it went on for a year. It went nowhere. Yeah, wasted a lot of resources. Dude, there's people that watch Rachel Maddow every night, and they just thought – I still know people that think that Trump is a Russian asset. And I'm like, you know what? You're giving credence to the right now because they can be like, look at the left. They're crazy.
0: Yeah. Like, I think then to, like, rephrase then my opinion is that I think – it's okay to be a conspiracy theorist. Like keep asking questions. Like that that's fine. I think it's just when you conduct yourself like what you're theorizing is fact is where the danger right. comes from.
1: Ex- like yeah. particularly for the times that you're absolutely wrong. Right. I think the problem is is that the facts are so hidden that it takes you right. It's it's kind of a time thing. I mean, you hear about mm. things and you go, "Oh, this will be a documentary in 20 years." <laughs> Like, right. And you could, there's a lot of things now that are kicking around probably, but I think as someone like me, I really dug into dark stuff, CIA stuff, not like crazy stuff, but just, just basically how the government works, the lobbying structure, the military industrial complex and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Get coarsened because you realized how much it's all kind of fake, like how the, 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 not just the theater of politics, but how it really works. And you're like, Joe Biden is just a puppet.
0: Oh, yeah. And then you get to the whole, like, is the Illuminati real? <laughs> like, yeah. Is there is there a secret board of, like, old rich white people that have the World
1: Economic Forum, which is that you know, where they go and uh, a bunch of billionaires hang out and they talk about how they want to run the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not like a hidden thing. And they, they publicize it and press goes and stuff like that. But I think there is an argument for some sort of, like, intellectual collusion, like you're like you're suggesting, in the sense of, like, we have shared interests, so let's Let's combine our. Yeah,
0: I, I definitely believe that that's a thing.
1: Like that, like maybe
0: not to like the uh, the scary like cult like way that like media may portray these groups, but there's probably like a there's a group chat somewhere.
1: Oh yeah, it's like how they all (laughs) when they deplatformed Milo, it was like all they all did it at once. Like these are different companies. Yeah, it's odd,
0: for sure. Like it's just again, it's just how far do you delve into this until. You know, like, there's probably a level, like, with enough deep diving where, you know, you get to the point where, you know, this isn't a theory, this is true, but a lot of these people get so obsessed that they kind of dig past that point. Yeah, they
1: take take kernels of things that are undeniably true, like people fucking children on an island, and then they take it to the extent of they're also... Uh, Draining their blood and drinking it, and it's called adrenochrome.
0: Yeah. And then, how are you supposed to sell that to me? How are you supposed to sell? Like, how are you going to get me to believe you? You (laughs) could have stopped right there and it would have been plausible.
1: But don't you think how hard it was for Alex Jones to sell Jeffrey Epstein to people at the time? Like, could you? That's so crazy. Bill Clinton. Prince Andrew, we're talking about like global people oh, and yeah. they're on that island. And if you told someone that they'd be like, I mean, and also this is the thing that always gets lost in the media and the Netflix documentary. It was a giant a blackmail operation. There were cameras in all the houses. It's a way of having leverage over people. Yeah. And, and that's like never talked about. It's talked about as like, yes, it was a human trafficking ring and these people were animals, but they weren't also talking about the, that the whole government and different senators and people were compromised because he had the ultimate thing on them was that they're a pedophile and he has a camera of them Mm -hmm. so i mean at that point you can see how these people's minds melt because it's like processing that bill clinton was there and there's a tape of him is just the your brain just goes i can't even conceptualize this
0: for sure and again like i probably should have done more research on bill to be completely honest yes he is just it like I I was one hundred percent expecting like, yeah, he's gonna beat Trump and then you know it's gonna be a quiet four years. Like that, that that was my that's been my mindset this whole time. I haven't been following any controversy with him. I haven't been following you know, Oh, I'm, you said
1: you said uh Bill. I oh think my you mean fucking Biden. God, Biden Yeah, I because I thought you meant Clinton. I'm like, Oh, he's got a lot of problems too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: I mean, does Biden even know he bombed Syria? That's what I wanna know. I mean, <laughs> the ga- the gaffes dude like here's the thing is this is how tribalism does rot your cortex because it's like the gaffes that biden had during the campaign were so insane and they were just swept under the rug because people were like I want him to win i mean first he thought his sister was his wife and then he said he was running for senate
0: didn't he fall asleep in the middle of an interview as well
1: yeah and he also said to the uh <laughs> he said the military and they weren't clapping he goes clap you stupid bastards i mean <laughs> dude it's like and that's the that's the most powerful person in the world.
0: I like to think sometimes it just gives me a chuckle that, uh, you know, just Biden in the White House, like every now and then he'll hear people say, like, hello, Mr. President. And like he looks looks over his shoulder for Barack. Like, yeah, because,
1: <laughs> you know, he went eight years like that, you know, He's probably just like, who
0: all time. <laughs>
1: And listen, he and that's the thing is, he's like, my mom, when I talked to her about this, and she is such a, she hates Trump. And listen, man, I don't, I'm I'm no, I'm I'm pretty apathetic at this point. But I just sort of said to her, I'm like, you have to realize how tribalism makes you go crazy. Because if all these people, it's like, Hunter Biden is a scumbag. And then you say that, and people, because they want their person to be in power and win, they go, well, what about Ivanka? When the answer is, they're all scumbag. Yeah. And you need to be able to criticize each person instead of playing the political game of tribalism. So it does make you go crazy eventually.
0: Yeah, because then, you know, then there's people out there cuz you know, cuz I've definitely heard have con- have have how- I've definitely <laughs> had conversations with people where like you know, they they're a fan of this celebrity, just insert celebrity name here. And then they find out celebrity identifies with this political group and then like they're genuinely disappointed they're like oh right. i like that guy i liked her
1: because they're sold something as a product right they're mm-hmm. sold that celebrity i mean if you want to make the maximum amount of money in this business you want to be likable and the way you be likable is you'd be agreeable you have to be nonpartisan so, as hell of course and so and you know you don't be mean and all <laughs> those different things and certain comedies make you laugh but you don't know these people behind you know, it's like I like Taylor Swift's music, but like also she's tried to sue her fans and she went after her uh her grade five uh guitar teacher because he put on his website that he taught her guitar. Yeah, um, I mean, you're dealing with
0: I- I'm in a very similar boat with J.K. Rowling. Yes. Like I'm a Harry Potter fanatic. I really don't like J.K. Rowling. <laughs> like, right. I'm a. Uh, Well, had issues, like, hey, man,
1: it's the same thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, Real quick, I think we're going to take a quick pause here. Just do a little ad roll and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Brotherhood MFG. Brotherhood MFG is a clothing brand centered around car culture with a fresh style. They've even given me a special discount code to give to you guys. So if you go to teespring.com slash stores slash Brotherhood MFG and use discount code PASTIME, in all caps, you'll get a 13% discount off the entire store all right and we're back <laughs> we were chatting on the side chatting a lot i i address that every time I, I think this is like the third time i've also called myself out for it i always mention that like we did shit in the ad break fuck you guys yeah exactly <laughs> um uh but one thing that we did talk about um uh, before i started recording is the fact that you had a second podcast or you had a first podcast uh yep. you currently have a second podcast unmentionable mm-hmm. um uh, what was what? What's the difference between the the two shows? What what motivated you to start a brand new one? Uh, um, what made that jump?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the old show was called Shame on You. It was like purely gay podcast. So essentially, me and my best friend, two gay guys in Toronto, like in our twenties, and we just sort of we had a lot of stories and we had a lot of people that we, I mean we were a horse that's like <laughs> the way of putting it, and uh, we had insane stories and we had this like imperishable bond and it was just like really special and the premise of the show it was called shame on you it's just like when you're a gay person you always kind of have this like self hatred that lingers and uh, that was your residual shame so the idea was like how do we get rid of all the, sh- the shame that we have still left over and it was basically to be you know disinhibited sexually and so we just got on the mic and we just like every like we pushed through every uncomfortable feeling in us um, and it was like this weird catharsis where we just sort of interview people i had sex with and the idea and also like just talk about our lives and we're just so open but the idea behind it was just like to shine a light on things that normally people don't see and Mm -hmm. also we had a massive straight audience because it was just comedy i mean comedy that unifier. yeah
0: plus like it is my understanding that there's like a there's a lot of like general truths. there's a lot of like if you're within the gay community, there's a lot of things that you know that like this is just yeah this is standard like check that box if you're in the if you're a part of that community that's just completely unknown to to the yeah. straight community
1: totally and also like that's the interesting thing is like our show it started with a like a huge percentage of it was with straight people comparative to other gay podcasts I mean they just were like it was kind of like a circle jerk right like you're just kind of like they didn't really go there and it was just kind of like a bunch of people sitting around talking about jennifer aniston or rupaul (laughs) and i mean whatever that's not my scene but whatever people like that stuff but it was for us it was just like we wanted it to be so real and just like blow through those social norms and uh yeah we just laid bare our soul on it and went through my dad dying. We went through two breakups on the show. We had on people that we loved and like broke up with on the show. Then we really dove into like more responsible content. We had on this one guy who like he lost uh, all his friends to AIDS and oh. he, he was like 63. And it was so like, we were crying obviously in the episode and everything. We had on another guy like that. And then we had on like, you know, messed a huge problem in the gay community. So we had on a guy who was addicted to math and, it was just a super, super real show. It was just brutal and real. And it then kinda, our...
0: it was there to like shine a light on the gay community for maybe people who weren't as aware of the trouble involved yeah. in it or the shame,
1: I guess, as you said. And build the empathy. Like, you know, that's how that's what life's about. It's like, you know, you got to build empathy for people that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. So I think that was kind of the thing. And then it blew up. We sold those shows in New York. We sold it shows in shows in Toronto. And then I always wanted to write a book. And so that's why I wrote Famous Anus. It was kind of like a continuation of the podcast. Um, and then, you know, I just, our friendship kind of fell apart and there was a lot of issues. And I also realized that I was just, I outg- outgrew the show. Like as much as it was a blast, it it was just 100% gay all the time. Like that was really all we were doing. And I'm a political junkie and I like talking about the environment. And I also want to get more edgier with my comedy. And I just kind of felt like, I was pigeonholed into that like crazy far left woke world
0: you were where, like, like slowly typecasting yourself
1: yes i was like i just had to be woke and unfunny i mean the far left is unfunny people because they take themselves very seriously and so i try to get away from that world and then now and is just sort of like the show where i can showcase my comedy like i'll just write talk about nonsense with my producer and just like make jokes and bits but then also i really the name is unmentionable because i have people on that you would never hear from. Oh, i know. I just
0: uh i just watched the episode with uh, the Baldo. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the interview portion?
0: Uh, the a majority of it. Yeah, i was i was just yeah. i was watching it just before we got on the call for this uh for this recording.
1: Yeah, see that's my dream guest. It's just something that's just like a jaw dropper and i can make a lot of jokes and whatever with it and then but you know, we had on a girl who burps on only fans for 999 a month. <laughs> Nine, She's in thousands of dollars a month just burping,
0: dude. Is it because humans are disgusting. Well, yeah, <laughs> just, we're animals, man. <laughs> it's funny. and
1: she said also the funniest part. I remember I will always remember this. She said that the that her friends a a farter on OnlyFans, oh my and gosh. she her friends complained that she said the burping community is a lot nicer because the fart community is very like um demanding and i love the idea of this like bespoke fart community that's very demanding about the kind of farts they want farts now please <laughs> yes how they want like it's like how they want to see it how they one guy wanted to deliver to him in tupperware like wow,
0: like that's like that must be such a money hole like <laughs> yes because all you can do you just send them a tupperware you don't even have to do anything you Dude, just made 500,
1: 500 bucks 500 bucks like humans but listen we live in an economy it's like people will do it's money exchanging for different things right everything's franchisable yeah so i mean it's not for me but that's why that's what i like my show is i literally will have on the most outrageous people i don't this one girl like it's not as crazy but like she just deleted all her dating apps and she refused to use them ever again she's like i'd rather just be single and i just thought it was fascinating see that's
0: that would probably be a very interesting episode for me so like you know just because you and I just met each other. Um, uh, I've been with my fiance now for about almost nine years. Wow. So we started dating before like dating apps was a thing. So like yeah. that's like a beast I've never experienced. I, I was around when it started. Never got it myself. Like I know that when it first came out, like it was received very positively. I know there's a lot of stuff coming out now saying it, it, it can be very damaging.
1: For sure. I actually think it's more damaging yeah, than positive. I mean, it is – if you go on Tinder, it's the gamification of dating, which like, at certain points, it's a business. So they'll literally send you like FOMO notifications saying, like, this person likes you and like is, basically is hot and is wanted, and you need to pay X amount of dollars to figure out who they are. Or, like, if you oh, press wow. this button, more people in your neighborhood, it, it's like if you pay $5, three times the amount of people in your neighborhood will find you. Um, so they basically withhold the person instead of actually, it's not, it's not based on you finding love. It's based on you staying on the app, which is sick.
0: Yeah. Cause that, it, it kind of feels like paid promotion,
1: right? <laughs> like
0: on a dating app. It's like, Hey, like if you give us, you know, cha-ching, we'll, uh, we'll make more people see your face. Yeah, and it's, get, not, it's not
1: real it's like i will match with i will match with like 10 people on tinder and like one will respond and it's like it's not that they're not into me they they swiped right but they just need that validation boost of like oh yeah i'm wanted another person wants me a be, person wants me
0: like i wonder like if that's a psychological thing like on like particularly on tinder where like you see somebody you find attractive you're not interested in them but you swipe on them anyways just to see if you match just so in your head you can be like ah attractive people want me
1: Sure. I'm sure it happens all the time and also a percentage of those people aren't even real. I mean there's I didn't realize how catfishing was so crazy. It's so popular. I have been on so many apps where people make me jump through hoops to identify myself uh because they are scared that I'm a catfish. It happens all the time and oh, yeah, I'm like people have
0: turned. A buddy of mine got catfished once on oh. I think it was on Tinder.
1: How bad was it?
0: He, he wouldn't really go into detail. Uh, he just kind of showed me her picture and he was like, she looked nothing like this. Like this, this was not the person that was there. And like, he can be very brash. So like the story he told me was match with this girl on Tinder, talk, set up a date. I'll meet you at the movie theater. She didn't have a car. He did. They agreed that she would meet him at the movie theater. He would bring her home afterwards. And he, he says, he remembers driving by the movie theater, only seeing like one girl, outside that uh, he deemed extremely non-attractive uh he's a very superficial guy unfortunately
1: we all are yeah we're not all very but i mean i don't think it's crazy to say how, how someone feels
0: yeah so like he he said he genuinely pulled up rolled down the window like asked for her name and the moment she said yes he peeled out oh
1: that's so traumatizing <laughs> for both parties
0: yeah yeah <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. He still laughs about that story. Like-
1: I had a friend who uh, see there's different gradations of it, right? Like I had a friend meet up with someone who is, uh, they would define catfishing as you're 80 pounds more than your pictures. You're still the same person, but you're 80 pounds. And I, I do think there's something it's like, of course, we all want to pick good photos of ourselves and everything. But you you can't if the person then rejects you, it's like you presented to them an entirely different picture of who you were. And unfortunately, they do get to decide if they're attracted to this person or the person they're meeting.
0: Yeah. And like it goes into the whole social media spiral, too. Like, would you rather promote, you know, the best version of yourself or the most accurate version of what you look like right now? Of course.
1: Yeah. Have you seen the face tune where people like I have a friend I've I mean, I I hope she doesn't listen to your podcast, but she is so crazy with the makeup. So contours her face. It's basically an entirely different person to the point where when it rains, you don't recognize her because she's used the makeup trips tricks to just construct a new bone structure on her face. And then she throws down like a bunch of filters and like face tune and stuff like that. And when I look at her Instagram, it is not even close to the same person. And I wonder if someone goes on a date with someone like that. Like, is it a form of false advertising?
0: I think it depends on how much conversing happens between them before they meet in person. Like, I think there's there has to be, like, a level of, like, well, regardless of what they look like, going through my chat history with them, I connected with this person. I'm interested
1: in at least this person's personality. But- I know. It is it, – it, I do sound harsh, but it's, like, it's also when you – the first thing is always the looks. Like, and then, oh, yeah. The person, like, you look at a bar, you look across this, the thing and somebody, you don't think, like, Oh, God, I want to know their personality.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. No. And, like, again, it might be because I've been with the same person for for almost nine years, but, like, y- you have to be physically attractive. As shallow as it sounds, th- yeah. that, that it's a factor. You have to be. Um yeah. uh, It might be their personality that makes you stick around. At, well, if, the if things fall through.
1: I find the personality can either, and you've probably experienced this too, it can either amp them up or take them down.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I, I forget exactly. I was making fun of my niece the other day.
1: <laughs> That's nice. Is she a child? <laughs>
0: yeah. But she, she's getting a little boy crazy. And, and... she was talking about how um, uh, there's no attractive boys in her school. <laughs> oh, wow. And like I was just like, oh, like good to know you don't know any funny people.
1: Yeah. Or that she thinks she's the, she's the like hottest. <laughs> I mean, good for her. It's actually probably better to have a child with good self-esteem than bad. High standards.
0: Sure. Like, I, think, I think high, well, maybe not extremely high standards, but it's good to have standards.
1: You know, my profile says, uh, high standards, low expectations. That's what it says on <laughs> it's it. like really how I feel. Like I'm like, I'm going to look for what I need, but also at the same time, like I know what this app is and I know what it's there to achieve. Yeah. And I'm not, like, holding my breath.
0: <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, the whole dating app scene. Like, I know, like, there used to be, like, plenty of fish. I, that was, like, a web browser, though.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: <laughs> but isn't there, like, a really aggressive dating app scene within the gay
1: community? Well, there's Grindr, which is basically where you turn on. I mean, when I explained this to straight people, like, initially when it came out. Um, it's basically an app where you can turn it on pretty much. I would say like of single gay men, I would say probably like 75% of single gay men have it. I actually don't have it right now because it's so psychotic, <laughs> but you basically like turn it on and it finds all the closest gay people that want to fuck you like within proximity, not just fuck. Sometimes they just want to date, but for the most part, the proximity factor makes it very sexual. Yeah. And so essentially uh, you go on and then you can see like, it's crazy. Sometimes you'll literally move into a condo. You'll turn it on. And it'll be like 12 feet. And you just like, it's like that first day where you're kind of like getting your surroundings. But that's, yeah. And then also mental health issues are endemic among gay men. So, I mean, it's like, it's not helping, but um, it is a crazy world where you can just go in your kitchen. If you're horny, you literally just find your neighbor. My friend used to bang this guy in his building who was on the 26th floor and he was on the fourth and he found him on Grinder, And he was just like, hey, you want to have sex? And he was like, yep. Elevator down. Finish, elevator
0: down. Like they're basically roommates at that point.
1: Yeah. He used to, my friend used to go down in a robe like it was a spa <laughs> and just like flip flops. And so, but like, yeah, that's that's the world of the gay community where like it's so easy to find sex, but it's so hard to find love.
0: Well, I think, and this is going to sound so fucking cheesy, but like as an impressionable kid, like one thing I heard on an episode of Glee. Um, <laughs> Um uh i don't know if you've watched Glee, but there's there's a whole coming out arc for one of the characters
1: i can't it's, that's I, I can't watch things oh like i that.
0: used to be obsessed yes. with it i watched it to completion i wasn't always happy with it but i i, I like the show enough to finish it right but, uh there the, there's a whole story arc with one of the gay characters like dealing with like uh hookup culture and like having sex as a as a gay person and stuff like that and like uh something that the the dad said to him was like you know like essentially on the lines of like All men are pigs. And (laughs) when you're
1: gay, it's two men. So, of course. But you know what, man? Like, there, it's interesting because, like, my book, like, and you're right, Pigs, like, my book, Famous Sanus, is like, it's outrageous. Like, there's one chapter where I sleep with my boss. Like, I just sleep with my boss.
0: That's just unprofessional.
1: Well, it was like two weeks after he quit, but still. Um, And then there's like just behavior in there that like, if you read it as an outsider, it would feel so insane to you, but it's so normalized within the community. And obviously I was also a very broken person in my twenties. So self-destruction is, is hilarious and entertaining. Um, But like so much of that book is also like me trying to look back at how broken I was of a person and like how rotted my soul was. And that in these times where I thought I was looking for sex, I was just looking for love and the same with friends. And then you have those hookups and I had lots of them and you're like laying in bed and you just feel empty.
0: Yeah. Not cheesy. (laughs) Yeah. We both, we both said something (laughs) cheesy. (laughs) Like, yeah, like I, I understand, like, I know that that's, I think that's a dilemma with every and any sexuality, but it does seem to be more prevalent within the gay community.
1: Yes, definitely, and also like it's it's uh it's we have really high rates of depression, really high rates of anxiety, really high rates of uh drug abuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the gay male community specifically is riddled with a lot, a lot of problems of people who just never really end up like liking themselves, really. And like, just because of where I grew up, because I, I grew
0: up in a very small northern town in Ontario, like. And I know, like, for the majority of people that are in that situation, it has almost, well, not almost, it pretty well entirely does with their their surroundings. They're, they're surrounded by a culture of people who frown upon it. They're surrounded by a whole community that will shame them for it. Like, you know, like, I went to a, a Catholic school in a small northern town, and there were maybe three people
1: in the entire school that were out of the closet. But how old are you? I'm, I'm 24. So I'm 34. And okay. when I went to high school, there was zero people that were out of the closet in a more, like, liberal place. So at least that actually, when you telling me that, that actually, like, made me hopeful because that's more people than when I was in high school.
0: Okay, because, like, my, my general takeaway of it was, like, I was, you know, I was a theater kid. So naturally, I was friends with a lot of these gay people. <laughs> right, and, like, one thing that they would always, like, razz me about would be like, I know the people who aren't in the closet and I'm not going to tell you, but there's a lot of them, Fred. There's a lot of people in the closet that go to our school and I'm not going to tell you who they are, but trust me, I know. (laughs) And like, at first it was like kind of funny, but afterwards I'm like, like fucking damn, like why aren't they?
1: Well, because they've received a message in some sense, whether it's from their family, whether it's from their sports teams that like there's something wrong with who they are um and then they've just kind of complied with that man I, this is the thing i always say to people and like i really we had a lot of people like with our show it, it really like when we started getting press and stuff like that we had a lot of people come out of the closet we had a priest come out of the closet we had a 28 year old firefighter came out of the closet we had a guy in the military come out of the closet because we went so far that they were kind of inspired by they would even like take an inch right mm-hmm. but i always say this to people and like it's just so important to for people to understand like especially like Let's take gay men, particularly like I always say to people, it's 2021. If it's so great, then how, how come I can name you tons of men in Toronto in their 40s, independent, self-sufficient, like successful guys that are not out? If yeah. if that if it's if it's so good now, they can't even come out in their 40s. And so that just tells you how far how glacial social pace is.
0: yeah. Like we we definitely start seeing it more, but that probably has a lot to do with the fact that the Internet's a thing and there's, you know, you're anonymous online. So like there are probably a lot of people who are very proudly, openly gay online, you know, under an anonymous anonymous, um, uh, profile picture or or, or account or something like that. So it does. It's interesting when you look at the online presence of the gay community and then try to compare it to your real life. And there's a bit of a disparity there. 100%
1: yeah and it also is very it depends on where you live geographically There are Mm -hmm. different worlds what uh, class you're in what job you're in Um, if you're you know some dude on a construction site you got to believe that it's going to be a lot harder for you than if you're some marketing company downtown Toronto Um, just it's different worlds Um, and so listen I was really lucky in the sense like my family was super cool one of the stories that's in my second book that like I actually never ended up telling my first podcast is like um is that my dad was gay and okay my dad was was past tense yeah well, he's dead now but oh. growing up my dad was a penis doctor urologist okay right? and this is kind of how it became a comedian so i my dad was a gay penis doctor we, we thought he was straight <laughs> at the time but essentially like when i did stand up my opening joke was something along the lines i don't even remember It was something along the lines of making fun of it and i was like you gotta because you know you gotta do what you love
0: well of course you do i think like to be completely honest like no one bats an eye at a straight gynecologist
1: of course, but like my dad's job was like he held 40 cocks a day <laughs> to find out he's gay, right? Like it's just it's funny. So, anyways, that was kind of the I found my dad on a website called squirt.org. Oh boy, it's like this. And I had to tell my mom, and I didn't have like I could have confronted him at the time, but like we had no relationship. So, I just kind of told my mom, and that was the basis for their divorce. Ooh. And so, so much of the work I did in like my old show and kind of my books and stuff like that. Is just kind of to live my life in a completely opposite way than my dad. My dad was secret. He took off from my f- family. He like put my mom through hell, and I was just like, "God, I'm gonna be like a super proud gay guy who just like goes a- completely all the way, just so I can be the opposite of him." And some people go the same way as their parents. Some people go like the total opposite way.
0: And that's the majority. Like for there, there, there are gray areas, but for the majority, you either become your parents or you become the opposite of your parents.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So. That's the kind of the was the basis of that show and why I was so proud and it meant so much to me. And like, obviously, it's a funny story. And like, you know, it gives me a lot of fodder for like my second book and stuff like that. <laughs> but I tell people that story and they like it, it's like blows their mind that like I literally found his profile, like his dick pics. Oh, no. Like, yeah. And dude, I was so angry with my sister. I was telling her the story and I was like frantically like gasping. And then I kept going back to the fact that I was like, yeah. And he had like a huge dick. I'm like, why don't I have a huge dick? <laughs> my sister's like can you shut the fuck up about your dick right now like we got bigger problems like it's
0: one thing hearing my brother talk about his dick but hearing my brother talk about his dick and my dad's dick
1: and they have this whole club of big dicks and i'm not invited (laughs) and there's just like all this shit on his profile but like his sexual proclivities and and whatnot and i and you know so i was 23 and i was just it was it was emotionally quite scarring i will say
0: yeah i could only imagine pretty bad i mean i don't know like when couldn't you find like in you know hindsight's 2020 20, but like probably could have found some camaraderie in there you know you had something in common with your dad something to talk to him with
1: but he just took off i mean that's mm-hmm. usually what happens is, is like and, and this never really gets talked about i really want to have a person on my podcast about this is like there's millions of people of kids in the united states that are born into these families like millions of families where like one partner is gay and it's all like a front mm-hmm. and that's like people never they they're like oh the person came out yay blah 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 but they never not never but we re- usually don't talk about the carnage that's left behind there are children left behind there is a partner whose self-esteem has been destroyed yeah and that... i really, like lived with that with my mom
0: yeah like is, did i make him gay like do my pussy stink <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's your mother that too much for
1: the past time I mean, I mean guys by the way if you listen to unmentionable like you've listened it's raunchy. So just don't, like, message me and be like, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> I talk about eating pussy like every episode, and I've done it once. So, it's just funny to me.
0: It's just funny? Well, what about it's it is funny?
1: Like, it's funny because I read this story about and this is how I know there's no God because I read okay. this story about Michael J. Fox. Oh, no. Not Michael J. Fox. Shit. Michael Douglas. Oh, Michael okay. Douglas got... Michael eight... J. Fox would is
0: such a better setup.
1: I know. <laughs> Michael... So. Uh, Michael Douglas got HPV. He ate his wife's pussy. She had HPV. She gave him... I could say pussy on your show, right? I guess yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's fine. We got we got the E for explicit. Okay, perfect. So, uh, um, so he ate her pussy whatever. She had HPV. She gave him pussy. He got throat cancer.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, and now I didn't know they could do this, but they can actually trace. So, they can trace back the source. So, they can say, like, uh, you got throat cancer from smoking, blah, blah, blah. And so, they had basically tra- traced the fact that, like, He gave her oral sex and went in his throat, whatever. And then obviously HPV turns to cancer a lot of times and blah, blah, blah. So then I did a whole bit on my show that, like, this is super dark, but, like, there there are, like, girls, they date a guy, whatever, give him HPV, and then they break up. And then, like, years later, she's just, like, hearing that this guy is cancer. He's, like, 80 pounds. And she's just, like, oh, bad luck. But, like, it's actually not and how horrifying is that for men walking around that just perform- performing oral sex on random women all over the world and then cancer
0: is this just a psa about like avoiding like
1: anonymous <laughs> sex <laughs> or i mean it's like but but it's it's invisible right and it's like if a girl doesn't have a pap smear or something like that like people pass all the time <laughs> sick sick world we live in that like you know that can happen. So that's like, it's just crazy to me that like, this is a married couple. Yeah. That, that, that is like
0: the scary part. The fact that they're like a committed relationship, married couple, expressing their love. And then a
1: year later, he's in chemo. Yeah. It's like, how can you believe in God? After I, after I figured that all out, I was obviously I was stoned and I was just like, damn, that's like, I mean, I don't know how you can believe in God after that.
0: All the pieces are coming together.
1: <laughs> and now she knows too, like the world knows that like, yeah i mean it's like not her fall but it's like the world's like oh her toxic pussy like there you go <laughs> and it's like it's rough
0: i've genuinely never heard that story i didn't know that was a thing oh yeah look it up i mean it's, dude it's
1: happening right now probably somewhere in the world dude, like, it.
0: dude fuck covid like whenever i have like a slight cough now i'm just gonna be <laughs> like that's just gonna be in the back
1: of my head and you know what but no but you're you have your fiance so you're good it's not like you're jumping around no you're good you're fine, but I mean, I'm just saying it like some guys they push it too much, right? They go one too many, and then oh no, should have yeah. married the girl before. Now you have cancer. <laughs> oh. it's dark, eh? It's dark, but it's not wrong.
0: No, is it's interesting.
1: It is interesting, but it's like this is the world we live in now. And I had the Gardasil shot because you're supposed to get it for HPV strains, but now you need like five shots because it's like COVID—the variants just keep coming. Yeah. So you can only run so long, boys. It's coming for you. You
0: can only run so long. Start getting married. Start locking shit down.
1: Just, yeah, or just, yeah, or make the girls get pap smears. But then also you can pass it other ways. So
0: oh yeah. anyway, yeah, that, that was just like one really obscure, crazy example. <laughs>
1: it's like that show, A Thousand Ways to Die. Oh, I love that show. that show. But that's tough. one of the ways.
0: That was one of my main sources of education as a kid. A oh, Thousand Ways to Die. Hard. A beer belly could save you from a bullet wound
1: yeah <laughs> or the people that's just like on the treadmill and just like some random thing happens and they just they're dead yeah Ugh.
0: my favorite i think we're gonna, I'm gonna close with this because i love this a thousand ways to die story sure have you ever seen a thousand ways to die like way to die like number one is this the most common is that way it's number one no it's just the first entry in their in their list oh uh, the tapeworm no it was uh a married couple who both had like genuine crippling anxiety. <sighs> uh they were married for years, never consummated the marriage. They were both virgins. Um uh they both had crippling anxiety when it came to sex. Uh the first time that they decided to do it, they both died of heart attacks. From, from, How old were f- they? from the stress they were a young couple, at least from what the
1: show looked like. <sighs> Dude, <laughs> this that show it's it's like I mean my sister's an ER nurse so she tells me stories of things that like things that come into the hospital and like things that they see and like it is like there's people that thing where people have sex and they get stuck together is like a real thing. Oh God! You come in with like a blanket around you and you literally have to walk up to like like together like up to the desk and like the triage nurse. My sister has done that is you're like, can I help you? I can't even think
0: of, like, any combination of people or sex positions that would make you stuck in someone.
1: I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know which one. I mean, it would be funny if it was, like, doggy or something. <laughs> right? And then they have to go in that way. But, like, she said a lot of the things, like, this one she hasn't encountered herself, but she's heard from people that gerbiling is real. So That's where people put the gerbil in the condom, and then they tie it, and they shove it up their ass, and then the oh, gerbil... Yeah. listen to slim shady i know what that is yeah just it's good (laughs) for your advertisers and so that's like a real thing that your taxpayers go to or tax tax dollars (laughs) yeah helping people get gerbils out of their ass yeah anyways unmentionable podcast
0: every friday (laughs) every friday unmentionable podcast listen to this guy
1: (laughs) (laughs) i sold myself there you go oh yeah anywhere else where people can find you before we do close up the show uh j power comedy is where i post clips from the show and i post random jokes on there uh if you want to read my book famous anus honestly even if you're not a gay person it's just like a very ridiculous funny book if you want to like get stoned and read it there's like a chapter in there where i get asshole surgery because my asshole breaks oh no yeah so i did have anal fissure surgery so it's like it's like me documenting my life in the hospital for five days so there's just like funny. I do acid in the book. Like there's just crazy things. So, like honestly, if you just want a book to like get you out of the quarantine funk, um, again, I'm not trying to sell. It. Like it, tr- it truly is a funny book. If you just want to just like get stoned and read something, then like I, I would recommend checking it out. check it out for that reason. Oh yeah,
0: I'll leave links for all that in the in the comment or in the description. Awesome, wicked. Thanks and, for having me on, man. This has been really fun. Yeah, no problem. It was great having you. And yeah. uh, thank you to everyone for listening. And bye bye.